0: Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the final episode of Clashing in Traffic. That's right. This is the final episode of Clashing in Traffic podcast. I'm your host, Catfish. Why don't y'all hop on in and buckle up? It's time to go play in some traffic. Folks, today is going to be quite different from any other episode of this podcast that we have ever done. And even just thinking through what I was going to say on this episode got me to be a, a little bit emotional. So my apologies if that happens again. Uh, unfortunately, this is this is a, a rather emotionally charged topic. It is one that is very dear to my heart. And that's going to probably come out in this episode. I want to thank those of you who have tuned in today. Many of you have probably seen that I, uh, why this episode is coming about and and probably already know what the topic is. And several folks, I'm sure, have already unsubscribed and are not going to be listening. But I know that a few of you are still tuning in and I, I thoroughly appreciate that. So, for the big announcement... I am retiring from Clash of Clans and all Supercell games. That's right, I am done playing Clash of Clans. I'm, I'm done, not that I played Clash Royale all that much. I did have it on my phone and would occasionally hop in and do some things. I, I did have a Brawl Stars account, not that I really did a whole lot with Brawl Stars, but it was there. But I am, I am now done with all Supercell games. I have retired. They, all but, but Clash of Clans has been deleted from the phone, and the only reason Clash of Clans is still there is because I am turning a few things over to the rest of the leadership team within our clan family, and making sure that everything gets set up for them before I finally do retire. I've pulled almost all of my accounts over into my old home clan of Calvinists, and that is where I'm going to be sitting to retire. that's that's where I'll be. If you see me out there in the wild, go ahead and attack, take all the loot. It's not going to do me any good. Now, why am I retiring? Uh, I'm not just quitting. I have not been looking for a reason to quit. I didn't want to quit. I love Clash of Clans. I love this game. I have learned... How to play over the past, oh man, it's been since 2015, since Town Hall 10 was the max town hall right before Town Hall 11 came out when I started, and since then I've never taken more than a 24-hour break. I've played just about every single day since I started. I have been a farmer. I love farming. I love farming up to max. I started behind and eventually caught up, and then I am typically... Even with just buying the gold pass and no other purchases, I'm typically one of the first ones to get to max without immediately gemming day one. I love this game, guys. So it's not that I was looking for an excuse to quit. I I hated the fact that I felt the need to step away. And the reason behind that was an announcement that Supercell made. An announcement that if we take a bunch of things into context seemed extremely hypocritical. Clash of Clans recently just removed all of the flags from Clash of Clans. That is not the reason that I'm stepping away. It's not because they took away my my stars and stripes, my little American flag that I had up in the corner of my base. No, that is not the reason that I'm stepping away. But they took away the flags from in-game because they said that they wanted to keep the game and real life separate. Having those flags in there was just causing all sorts of issues for them. Everybody was out there constantly hounding, please add this flag, please add this flag, all the time. And unfortunately, they had been told in the past that if you add certain flags, then certain countries were going to remove their game from the app store. And then they were told, if you remove our flag, we're going to remove your game from the app store. The only, the only solution was to either sit there and constantly have the community hound them about adding new flags or to do just what they did to get rid of them so that they could get rid of some of the real life politics and drama away from the game. And I understood that. Uh, I, I. I don't think that when they started this little game all those years ago that they intended to become as big as they did and that they would start to get involved in international politics, which came to a head when we had this whole Chinese server segregation thing that happened where China wanted to either impart a bunch of different controls over the game, make them make a bunch of changes that would impact the entire community or they were going to pull Clash of Clans from the app stores in China. They were just going to block it. And they have done that. China has censored a ton of stuff in the past. So Supercell made the decision. This is Now this is conjecture because Supercell has never in public responded to any questions about it. They've never actually addressed it. So this is what we just have to assume is why they did it. But they segregated the entire country of China. From the rest of Clash of Clans, they have their own version of it. And it's not the first time a game has done that. I talked about this several months ago where PUBG Mobile had pulled their game from India and then made a completely separate game specific for India because of some laws and some things that the nation of India wanted to enact that would have changed the, the game for everybody. So they decided, okay, we are going to... Now, this was Tencent, which is the parent company of Supercell. Tencent said, okay, we're going to pull the game out of India. We will make a separate game, uh, Battlegrounds, uh, BGMI, Battlegrounds Mobile India. So it's not the first time games have done that, where they have felt pressure from the governments of countries to make changes or to make separate games just for those countries. So I, I applaud Supercell on one hand for keeping it going in all of the markets that they have been in. We know that... Th- that the nation of china is a huge revenue stream for them so if they were to just say okay forget it pull it from the app store they would have lost a lot of revenue coming in which would have meant fewer employees working there which would have meant we would have been waiting even longer between updates and we didn't want that we've already waited far too long between any sort of content for our max town hall 14s right nobody has had anything to work on on their town hall 14 since they released that tiny little update back in December of 2021. So they make these announcements about wanting to segregate, or to keep separate, the game from real life and politics and all of these things, right? And then they made an announcement on Twitter. Supercell made an announcement on Twitter that they were going to start donating money to some organizations that to me, are proponents of some pretty vile stuff. On the face of it, people are going to think that it's just a political argument. And to me, no, it, it's, it's a religious thing for me. It's a, it's a question of when does life begin and who has the authority to end a life. And that was when they decided that they were going to start donating money to organizations like Abortion Fund and the the worst to me is NARAL. Those are organizations that claim to espouse women's rights. And I start looking into actually what it is that they are proposing in the things that they are trying to affect. And it's not just women's rights. Shortly after Supercell made the announcement that they were going to be donating money. Part of that money is money that I have been sending to them. And that is where I just, I have to draw the line somewhere. And this was a line that that we as a family drew decades ago when we got heavily involved in supporting life affirming organizations. And supporting helping women in crisis pregnancies get through these things in, in ways that don't harm either the mother or the baby. But when Supercell says that they're going to be donating to places like NARAL, and then you go over to NARAL's Twitter page, and the, the tweet that they tweeted right after Supercell said that they were going to start donating money to them was that any... Any law restricting any type of abortion was extremist. NARAL wants it to be available to anyone at any time, at any point in the pregnancy, including the moments right before birth. That is what NARAL is trying to have come about. It's not that they're just trying to donate to women's health clinics. No, no, no. They want laws changed that would allow the murder of a viable baby, a baby with a heartbeat, a baby who is capable of taking its own breath and is moments away from being able to take that own breath. That's not that's not the percentage of pregnancies that are in question when we really start talking, when we get into these debates between pro-life and pro-choice. The folks on the pro-choice side always say that, oh, you want to force a teenage girl who has been the victim of rape or a woman whose pregnancy may endanger her life. You want them to have to to put up with that. Folks, there are statistics available uh, from US government organizations. I did not go and look at all of the international statistics, because the U.S. is the one that we're really talking about here. This announcement from Supercell came on the heels of the U.S. Supreme Court decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. The organizations that they are donating to, while Supercell is an international organization that is based in Finland, they're donating to organizations that are here in the United States if they did not want to be involved in real-world politics, why is a Finnish company donating to U.S. organizations instead of international organizations? So that comes out on the heels of all of that, and then NAROL says that they think that any sort of ban on any form of abortion is extremist. I I just, I cannot get behind that. I I absolutely can't. So let's go back. Let me tell you some stories. My wife and I got married at a very young age. Uh, I was 20. My wife was 18. We had been together for several years before that. When i graduated high school i knew that i wanted to marry that girl i joined the army so that i could get a job to support her while she finished up high school she graduated high school and i came back on leave between school and moving to my first duty station in okinawa japan Proposed to her asked her father for his blessing to to ask her to marry marry me and then Six months later, I come home on leave again and we get married. This was November of 1998. I married my high school sweetheart. I had to go back to Japan and start working on paperwork, because when the army sent me to Japan, I was a single soldier living in the barracks. So now I've got to go back through all of the bureaucratic red tape to have all my orders changed to show that I'm married and I'm allowed to have dependents over there. And then I'm allowed to move out into town and get an apartment and have the army start paying me to have an apartment because the way that military pay works you don't get money to cover an apartment unless you're actually living out in town if you're in the barracks you get less money so it takes several months before we're able to do that we got married in november i left in early december our first christmas we spent together our first christmas as a married couple was spent apart because i was back in japan it wasn't until march when she was able to finally join me So March rolls around, she moves to Japan, and we start our life together. And in January of that next year, we gave birth to our first child, our first child. Uh, My wife was a, was a teenage mother. Now that was after we had gotten married, but we did get married at a young age. We wanted to start young and our goal was to have a bunch of kids. That's just the way that we were raised my wife is one of nine children. Now those nine children are are some of them are her fathers. Some of them are her mothers, both in in previous marriages, and then they got married, got together, and had a couple more kids. our our best friends, my wife's cousins. My wife's aunt and uncle were the ones that ran the school that we both graduated from, and they had seven kids. They had a bunch of kids. They were the ones that had a huge influence on us. Big families were just a part of life, and that was what our goal was. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to have a big family ourselves, and we were going to start young so that we could then be young grandparents, right? So we had our, our first child got pregnant right away after she finally moved to Japan. And almost immediately, the doctors are telling us that there are problems. That things just don't seem to be progressing right. My wife is experiencing some some pain and some issues. The ultrasounds and all of the tests they're showing are showing that that she is probably going to have a lot of complications during this pregnancy. And, And she did. And then as our son starts developing even further and they're taking more and more measurements. The doctors are starting to tell us that just based on the ultrasound measurements, what we can see is that the umbilical cord doesn't have as many blood vessels as it is supposed to. It, it only has two vessels in it. There's supposed to be more than that. There's supposed to be at least three. Most 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 pregnancies have three. He only has two which means there's not as much oxygen getting in there, which means his brain could not be developing as it should. On top of that, the size of his head compared to the size of his body, his head was a little bit bigger than than what it should have been for a a normally developing child. And those two two things combined are probably going to result in some sort of brain damage, or it's a sign that he is that he has down syndrome and that we should you know really think long and hard about whether we were up for that and then we start doing more tests and they're showing that the placenta is not sitting where it's where it's supposed to be and that could cause physical harm to my wife and the doctor is we're sitting in that room the doctor looks at my wife and looks at me and says you guys might really seriously want to consider abortion. Now, I was raised by my mother and my grandmothers, and the reason that I mention them specifically is because whenever I, as a man, talk about being pro-life, I get called a sexist. Well, I learned it from my mother, my grandmothers, and my aunts are they sexist? I don't think so. I don't think you would call them that. That's, that's the way we were raised. We were raised to cherish life. So the doctor looks at us and says this, and now it's coming to a head, right? I have always been pro-life. I have always been against abortion. And now we're coming to a point where I'm in this category of the only, the only thing that I ever wanted to do was to marry my high school sweetheart and take care of her for the rest of my life. I wanted to make sure that she didn't have to do anything that she didn't wanna do. I was gonna provide in any way that I I needed to. So that if she wanted to stay home and raise our kids, she could stay home and raise our kids. If she wanted to go out and work, she could go out and work. If she wanted to go to school to learn something, doggone it, I was gonna help fund that to make sure that she could achieve her dreams. And now I'm being faced with this decision of Am I going to lose her? Is she going to end up having lifelong issues from this pregnancy if she survives it? Am I am, am I going to have a wife who is handicapped now because of, of issues with childbirth and a, and a child who is going to have lifelong issues, whether it's because his brain didn't develop or because he's he's got Down syndrome? And all of these things are running through my mind in this split second that the doctor is asking this. And my wife, without missing a heartbeat, looks at that doctor and says, absolutely not. I don't care. We are going through with this pregnancy. Me as her husband, that's, that's the answer that I wanted to say. But I was scared to death, absolutely scared to death in that split second. And when she said that, I knew right then and there that this was the bravest woman who has ever lived. At this point, she was a young 18 year old girl, healthy, had her entire life in front of her. And she's being told some pretty serious, serious things. Impact her, whether it was ending her life or having major impacts on her for the rest of her life. And she had absolutely no wavering at all, she was going to go through with this pregnancy. And the doctor counseled again well, you know, if we can overcome all of these issues that could present problems for her, then there could still be problems for the rest of our lives having to take care of a son who could not take care of himself. Didn't matter she was all in 100% without a doubt she was in and we okay right then and there we're going through with it this is what's going to happen and I was I was on one hand so relieved that I was not going to have to make that type of decision for her and she didn't she did not even look at me to see what inkling I was having what sort of influence I was going to have that was that was all on her now as we progress through the months of the pregnancy, we start feeling that little guy kick and move around and flutter around and doing things. We could, we could just, we were so elated that first time that we felt him kick. And the doctors are continuing to want to do all sorts of tests because of the issues that we're having. We're going in every other week for an ultrasound. And anybody who's, any, any woman who's ever been pregnant knows most doctors don't give you very many ultrasounds we were going to a military medical clinic where they're even stricter government run health care. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't care uh, to get into that political argument, but I have lived through government run health care and it was a nightmare. The, the list that we had to get on the weights, the, the restrictions on things as we had to wait for approvals for all kinds of stuff. And that was at military hospitals, but they don't, they're typically very strict on when you can get those sorts of tests. We were in there every other week getting all of these measurements and all these tests done. And it kept showing that, you know, he's still, it's only a two vessel cord and his, his head is getting bigger at a, at a, faster rate than his body. Uh, we're really concerned with some things that could be going on. So we want to do some tests so we know what to expect. Now we were living in Okinawa, Japan, now, Japan is, is a very technologically and medically advanced country okinawa is this little teeny tiny island that i would equate it to almost like the hawaii of japan doesn't sit quite as far south it's not quite as as tropical as hawaii is it sits on about the same uh uh the same lines as like like miami but it's it's separated from the mainland by quite a bit and getting things on and off the island can be a trick can be can be tricky there we, we did not have the medical facilities to do and perform the tests that the doctors wanted to perform. So the doctor said, we're going to send you out. The the only, the closest place that we could go was uh, the Tripler Army Medical Hospital, which was on Oahu, Hawaii. So we had to fly from Japan back to Hawaii. And you're thinking, oh, great, you guys got to... A taxpayer-funded vacation to Hawaii. Yeah, no. No, my wife was about six months pregnant at the time, was having a lot of pain involved with the pregnancy, and was going to be having a lot of invasive tests that were pretty much kept her laid up in bed on bed rest the entire time we were there. And we get there, and the doctors are, okay, what are we doing? What are we doing these tests for? And they start taking their measurements, like, oh, yeah, it's a good thing they sent you guys here. We're going to get all this done so that we know what you guys can expect and we can start figuring out how to get you guys equipped for taking care of this child that's going to have all these problems. And again, I'm just absolutely freaking out inside. My wife was calm, collected. And yet again, the doctors said, if these tests come back the way that we think that they could come back, then you guys might want to consider abortion. And again, she's like, absolutely not. That is not what we're here for just take the tests of our baby. Let us know how healthy he is. Well, they do the tests. We fly back to Japan. I get back to work, and now we've got to wait for the results. We get a call from the doctor. Come on in and see us. So we go in and see the doctor. The doctor put, lays all of these medical charts and this stuff out in front of us, and he says, well, congratulations. You have a perfectly healthy baby boy. That's what we have to expect. There was no signs of any any Down syndrome, no signs of any other developmental issues. Now, that didn't mean that the two-vessel cord wasn't going to have issues with with any further brain development as as the pregnancy continued. As we got closer to the time of delivery, now, unfortunately, that that two-vessel cord had then wrapped itself around his little neck, and there was concerns on whether or not that was going to impact his brain development or if that was going to cause any issues during delivery. My wife was still having some pains and things during that pregnancy. We wake up one morning in the middle of January, it's a couple of weeks before his due date, and she says, Something's different. I think we need to go to the hospital. Okay, is this it? Or is it because of complications or is it because it's time to go? And we go and They tell her that she's just in false labor again, that there's nothing to worry about, that she's not dilated or anything. So, no, you guys can just go home. But she says, I don't think so. Something is different. One of the nurses says, well, if you're really concerned about it, we'll keep this room here. Why don't you walk around the hospital for a little bit? And it was was lunchtime. I ran, got her a a sandwich, got her a BLT, and that, that comes into play later. I don't know if we'll get to that part of the story or not got her a BLT bring it back to her and she eats half of her BLT and is standing there and then her water breaks we go check in and they kind of laugh there's no way there's no way cuz you weren't you know progressing far along you know you weren't dilated all this yada yada she goes but my water just broke and they check and sure enough they're like hey page the doctor it's time that's how quickly things were progressing And now they start scrambling, doing all these tests to see, okay, where's that that umbilical cord at now? Because we knew that at one point it was wrapped around him. We knew that the placenta was gonna be in the way. We knew that all these things were maybe looking at an emergency C-section. All of that, all of those problems were gone. The cord was no longer wrapped around his neck. The placenta previa that we were worried about had moved. It was no longer in the way. Everything that had been a concern this entire time, all of these things that we who had been raised as good conservative Christians had been praying fervently about, the signs that he was going to have Down syndrome, the signs that his brain was not going to develop, the signs that there were all of these things in the way that were probably going to result in her at least having to have a c-section, if not having all kinds of other complications, everything miraculously was gone. She had a very quick labor. I told you that she ate half that BLT. She goes into labor. Her son comes out born perfectly healthy, crying, and yeah, he's got a big head, but you know what? There was no problems with it at all. Had ten fingers, ten toes, screaming like a banshee. And my wife, we get to hold him, and they said, okay, we're going to take him back and do the prep and and get him cleaned up. Is there anything we can get you? And my wife looks over at him and says, can I please have the other half of my BLT? (laughs) Which, I mean, that was her. She was just calm through everything. Now we fast forward a couple years. And we had wanted... have another child before I got out of the military. I've been now transferred from Okinawa, Japan to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. I'm now working for the third special forces group in the United States army. And it is July of 2001. Everything in the world is great. Everything's hunky dory. I'm in this this unit. Yes, it's a it's a special forces unit. People they, they deploy and they do things, but there's no real no real conflict and strife in the world. If there is, it's going to be these guys that go and do it. But their their area of responsibility was not one that was overly in conflict. And we decide we're going to have another baby. We get pregnant. I I go off to to Korea for a month, just a short little trip. When I come home is when we find out that, uh, while I'm over there, my wife finds out that she's pregnant. Um, We landed back in the United States September 9th, 2001. I've got a newly pregnant wife. I'm back in the States. We don't have any plans to go and do anything else. And then two days later, the world turned upside down. And I'm now in... now at the tip of the spear i'm now because we were already packed up and had our gear at the airport i'm on call to be the first team out as soon as we find out where we're going and i've got a pregnant wife and who knows what's going to happen now thankfully we didn't end up having to be the first ones to leave some other teams went in our stead, but that meant we stayed behind, and we were the guys that had to train up everything. We had to certify all of the equipment. We had a ton of work to do to make sure that when we did deploy, everything was ready, and we had to make sure that everybody else was also ready. So as part of that, training everybody else in the unit up to go out and deploy to Afghanistan and in various other places in that region. I get sent down to Fort Polk, Louisiana for some time to help, another, uh, to help certify another special forces group that was going to be deploying. You know what? Now that I think about it, I think I said earlier that I found out we were pregnant when I got back from Korea. It was actually when I got back from Louisiana when we found out we were pregnant. We get sent out just locally uh, to Camp McCall there outside of Fort Bragg to do some training. And while I'm out there getting my own team certified and, and prepped and ready to go, training on some new equipment, validating that this new equipment was actually going to be able to, to do what we needed it to do. I see the, the command vehicle pull up and our, our company commander, first sergeant, hop out. And I hear him hollering for me. Go running over. I can help you, sir, First Sergeant. And they said we need you to grab your gear and you're coming with us okay um do i just like my work my work stuff or they're like no grab whatever you need to head back you're going back home okay so i had hop in the the hummer with them and we we cruise back to the operation center I was at a little little satellite location out in the middle of the woods. We head back to their operation center where I'm, I'm finally able to, to get on a phone call. <clears throat> and I find out that my wife is in the hospital. and that there's problems with the baby. Now we were only a couple couple months along at this point. And we had had all of those complications and issues with our with our first child, with our son. So I just, I kind of went into it expecting some of the same things. And I, I get a driver to take the drive all the way back to, to Fort Bragg. They drop me off at the hospital. I, I find my wife. And... She's laying on a bed in the emergency room, waiting for doctors to come and finish up even more tests. And the doctor comes in the room and starts doing things, and there's no signs of life. There's no signs of life with our little baby. We don't know why, but our our little girl, our little girl Morgan didn't make it. That was the worst day of my life. This was our our little girl. She was only a couple months along, but that little girl was so loved. And to get the news just in such a cold manner that, that you know, your child didn't make it. And then the doctor left and left my wife and I to sit there and, and grieve and mourn. And the reason that I, it just upsets me so much that this was my little baby, my little baby who we loved, little baby who we had named. And yet, if I believe what I'm being told by organizations such as NARAL, that was just a lump of cells. If that's the case, why did I have such a massive hole in my heart? Why did we spend so long grieving that loss? That was March 17th. 2002. And to this day, we we don't celebrate St. Patrick's Day. March 17th is a day of mourning at our house. That day comes along, and I know that at some point, my brave wife, who was never willing to give up her own comfort. Oh, I say that wrong. My own wife, who was never looking out for her own comfort, never willing to give up anything for her baby, regardless of Of how difficult it was going to be on her i still find her crying we mourn the loss of our little baby girl morgan how dare you how dare you tell me that wasn't a child and what is the difference between my morgan and any of those other babies whose lives have been lost what's the difference They all had heartbeats. They all had their own separate DNA. Medical science is coming along so much that if she had not had her own complications inside the womb, that she may have been able to have been born and lived. The age of viability of a fetus is getting to be lower getting younger and younger every day a baby who would not have survived outside of the womb years ago now has a much much greater chance of survival now if you want to argue about and put me in this in the extreme and, and think that there's and and you know what me personally i could be in the extreme but i'm i'm open to listening to rational and logical debates. And unfortunately, the extremists on both sides of this debate never want to be logical. They never want to listen to reason. They never want to peacefully talk things out. Everybody just wants to attack, attack, attack. And I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. The extreme on the one side says that i want to make a a girl who has been raped or a woman who is at risk of losing her life carry out that baby that is 0.35 percent of abortions 0.35 percent of abortions that's not even of pregnancies that's just of abortions the reason given is because of rape or life-threatening things to the mother if you want to argue about those if we want to have a debate about that tiny little percentage okay let's let's have that debate but who i'm going to have you debate is the lady who volunteers at our local crisis pregnancy center and her daughter who both volunteer at our local crisis pregnancy center who both go out and help pregnant women And the reason I say you're going to debate them is because that woman is the victim of rape and that daughter is that child. And they have done more for the entire community than I ever could. So you can debate them about that. Not me. I know how I feel about the loss of my little baby girl. And that's not going to change. That is not going to change. As a Christian, I believe that life begins at conception. If you read through the book of Psalms, it talks about how God knit us together in the womb, in the secret place. That is where life is. And if that's where life starts, if that is where I define the beginning of life, anything that ends it, anything that ends life, I'm sorry it can't be tolerated. At what point do you determine where life begins? Is it okay to abort a baby moments before they're born? If not, why? Is it okay to abort a baby at eight months along when it would be perfectly fine to be to be born it could live on its own. Is it okay to to abort that? If you say yes, because it would inconvenience the mother. Well, then it, let's let's take that inconvenience a little bit further. What of the child that really was just now born and is an inconvenience? How do how do we reconcile those two things? What of the babies? who are survivors of an abortion attempt. They are attempting to abort the baby and it gets born. It is now live. It is breathing on its own, but it is in an abortion clinic and not a hospital. What do you do with that baby? Organizations like NAROL, the organization that Supercell wants to send money to would say, you let that baby die. Let it die. It's not wanted. Let it go. That is why I am done. I cannot fathom having any of my money going to support organizations like that. For the past 20 years, I have been volunteering, 20 years, 18 and a half years, almost 20 years. We've been volunteering at our local crisis pregnancy center. This is a center that if you listen to the extremists on the side of pro-choice, they will tell you that this is a fake medical clinic. Well I will tell you they require the same licenses to operate their medical clinic as places like Planned Parenthood. Some of the medical professionals who work at these places probably went to school together. All of the nurses there are licensed nurses. All of the ultrasound technicians are trained. All of the counselors are trained. They have the same Degrees and training and certifications as anybody who works in any of the other women's medical clinics in the area. The only difference is they don't offer one service. Now, the folks who are on the extreme part of, of the pro-life movement will say that medical clinics, such as those offered by Planned Parenthood, they like to think that they do nothing but abortion. And that's that's not true they offer far more services than that and i i'm not trying to take away any of those services that that a young woman might need if she is having trouble paying for her medical bills on her own and goes to these places who offer free medical care for women's issues i get it i understand that they offer more than that however I'm also involved in an organization who offers all of those same things free of charge. They just don't offer abortion. Well, when when the Roe v. Wade decision was overturned, in after, after the leak came out that, that said that that decision was probably going to be overturned, there was an organization known as Jane's Revenge who started organizing and saying that they were going to start terrorizing these fake medical clinics. If you look at talking points that are on the NARAL website, it talks about the fake medical clinics. And again, the only difference is they offer the same medical care. They just don't offer abortion. Jane's Revenge was going to start attacking, vandalizing these medical clinics because they don't offer abortion, because the Roe v. Wade decision was getting overturned. So the clinic that I have been, I have literally donated thousands of dollars to every year, literally hundreds of man hours that we have gone to support. This clinic provides counseling for people. They have volunteers for coaching people through any of the problems that they're having, most of the staff that most of the staff and the volunteers are women who have been through all of this before. And yet they get targeted for helping women. They're getting targeted by women. And the reason they're being targeted is because they're helping women. They're just not offering abortion. So your whole, your, your, Your broader stance is that you don't want to get rid of women's rights and you don't want to get rid of anybody who is helping women's health care issues, yet you're going to attack and in some cases firebomb the clinics who are offering women's health care. What sense does that make? Now, I don't think that every single pro-choice person out there falls into that category. Just like not every pro-life person falls into the category of the people who would go in and do the same thing to Planned Parenthood years ago. There were many times when we had the extremists on the far right side of stuff that were doing those things. I think both of those issues, both of those extremes are wrong. We shouldn't be be going to, to violence over these things. No. No absolutely not. So to the ones who would call me sexist because I don't believe in abortion, I'm sorry but I have been working alongside my wife and my daughter who are far more active in this community than I am and far more vocal about it working with the women who work at this crisis pregnancy in ensuring that there are options out there. This clinic provides women's medical care free of charge they provide pregnancy tests they provide ultrasounds they have parenting classes if you don't want if you don't think that you can go through with keeping that baby they help hook things up so that you can put it up for adoption and yes i know oh adoption's not the only answer no adoption's not the only answer but you know what if it was maybe not such a long process and cost so much, maybe adoption would be a much more viable option. I think there needs to be some reform in how that happens. Yes, there needs to be some checks and balances so that we can ensure that the people who are adopting these babies aren't just scumbags, but at some point it just becomes red tape. Now I'm sure that some folks who might still be listening are thinking, oh, catfish is pro-life. That probably means he's anti-immigration. Wrong. I am not anti-immigration. I think that there absolutely needs to be immigration reform. Why do I bring that up? Because I think that the immigration laws and the adoption laws, that whole process is far too complicated. I think people should obey the law. I'm against illegal immigration, but I also think that the law is far too complicated, right? The process to do it legally has just gotten out of hand. The same thing is true of adoption. There needs to be some reform in that. There needs to be, yes, some checks to make sure that people are actually capable of adopting a child. But you don't have to go through nearly that much when you have your own child. So why is it so complicated? to adopt. I don't know. But this organization tries to help with that and helps set you up, help set up the mothers with people who can help with all of that legal paperwork. And they even try to connect people who are trying to adopt with organizations that can help on that side of it too, to take care of all of, not all of, but at least part of the, the financial burden that's there. They have abortion recovery classes and and counseling sessions because unfortunately there have been many people who have had to make that difficult decision and I do not envy that I do not envy that at all I know it must have been a difficult decision and there are people who live with that guilt and with that grief but there's still hope there is still hope and if you, you want a little bit more on on that hope Go look at the tweets that Proverbs Thirty-One put out when she announced her retirement from Clash of Plans. which was for the same reason. So, folks, that is why I have stepped away. I, I, I can't, I can't let any of my money go towards companies, organizations like Neural, and the. Even if I were to just be completely free to play now, I would be advertising for a company that donates money to those organizations. I just can't do it. I don't want to. I love this game, and I I love the community. And as soon as I read that tweet from Supercell, I just got this gut feeling that, that that is it. I have made a hard stand on that topic for many, many years. I was ready to I was ready to lose my job over it last year. Y'all heard me talk about potential issues with my job. Here's the truth. Here's what those issues were. I work for the federal government, right? Mandate came down that all federal government employees must get the COVID-19 vaccination. And before you think, oh, you're just anti-vaxxer. No, I'm not anti-vaxxer. However, when I say that we are a a pro-life family, we try to not just say that, but we try to live it. We do not, whenever possible, partake in anything that would have been developed using aborted fetuses. And every single... COVID-19 vaccine out there. One of them was developed using fetal cell lines from aborted fetuses. All of the others were tested against fetal cell lines from aborted babies. There's a lot of drugs out there, a lot of medicines out there that are the same way, and yes, we avoid those. There's a lot of food products and makeup products and household goods that are done that same way and yes we try to avoid those as much as possible and it's very difficult but that is the way that we have chosen to live our lives because we just can't fathom having any of our money or time going towards going towards that so I had to put in a religious exemption from that that requirement to get the COVID-19 vaccine. And it's still never been technically approved. It's all being held in abeyance, waiting on court cases to get finalized. So I'm here working. I'm not vaccinated. Never had COVID myself. And you guys know that I don't think that COVID is completely fake, like some of the anti-vaxxers out there would say. My Father and stepmother nearly died of it last year. They both made a full recovery. Other than my my stepmother developed some diabetes as a result of that. So she's living with that. That's, That's the full story, guys. That's why I almost lost my job. Was because of my stance against abortion. And I, like I said... We as a family, we volunteer time and money and thousands and thousands of hours of prayer to organizations that are life-affirming, to organizations who want to ensure the healthy birth of the baby, but not just that. The healthy continuing of bringing up, supporting that mother and the father through all of that, helping them if they need to put that baby up for adoption, giving them counseling, helping with counseling sessions for those who maybe did go through with the abortion and now are feeling that grief. There are places available for that. And there is, there absolutely is forgiveness. That's, you know, I am not a perfect person. I am sure that I have done things. I know that I've done things. That are not good in my past i'm sure that somebody here is going to go hunting through all of the discord servers or through my twitter feed and find something that i've said that's going to contradict something else that i've said here and you know what it's probably out there i'm not perfect and if i've done something bad i i really am sorry so that's why that's why i've stepped away i just i cannot continue if supercell is going to be supporting organizations like NAEPL. So let's let's finish off with some of the questions that, that I got asked. Um, Congressman Colrick asked what it would take, what would bring me back. Um, you know, I, I don't know. They would have to reverse that decision. They would have to say that they're not going to be supporting those organizations. And if the people if the employees of that company want to do that, they, they can do that. It's the fact that the company itself, who would be getting money directly from me, would then be sending that money off to those things. I just, <clears throat> I can't get behind that. I'm sorry. So yeah, I don't know if I will ever be coming back to, to Clash of Clans. Um... Yeah. So what other questions do I have? Let's see. Cool Rick asked another question. that says, What is the best MRE or MRE component? Meals ready to eat. Well, this kind of goes in line. We'll have to make this quick because... Yeah. Uh... (laughs) So I told you that I was stationed in Japan. Um, Vanessa Baxson also asked about Army stories, so this kind of ties the two together. I was stationed in Japan. It was right before I was supposed to come home on leave to get married. So uh, it would have been like end of October, beginning in November of 1998. I got married at the end of November 1998. And they decided to send me out to the Jungle Warfare Training Center. You know, we were a strategic communications facility we worked in a building with no windows never we never deployed we never did anything other than make sure that the communications were up so as the army does they said all right we're gonna take all of these strategic communications guys and we're gonna send them out in the woods for a couple weeks and learn how to fight in the jungle you know because because army logic uh, okay cool we'll go do that do we have do we have any like tents to sleep in yeah no our unit doesn't have any tents. So we're going to have to, you guys are going to have to go beg and borrow from the Marine Corps. Okay. Let's go find if anybody has some tents that they're willing to loan us. Cool. Got some. Hey, we're communications. We're we're all in communications, right? So we should probably, while we're out there, at least learn how to use some of the tactical communication stuff because we're used to working on strategic communications. Do we have like any, any radios that we could use out in the, out in the jungle? No. Oh, okay. So what, yeah, okay, got it. Go go talk to go talk to the Marines. Okay. Um how about food? Do we have any food? You know? Any any like deployable, like like hot chow kind of stuff, you know, that like comes in the big containers, you heat it up and no, no. All right. Yeah. So what are we gonna do? Oh supply. Supply is gonna get us some MREs. Rick, um, so this was back in the late nineties, right? so I know that Rick said that he was, was in the military. He's uh, a little bit younger than I am. I'm sure the MREs that you had were in that, that Sandy tan colored packaging. These suckers that we were getting, even though those tan ones were just now starting to come out. Yeah. These, these were in those like dark Brown MRE wrappers and like, that's cool, right? That's cool. We open them up, and inside MREs, MREs are meals ready to eat. They're the, the packaged, long, super long shelf life, uh, shelf stable meals that the military uses. Right? You can put a couple of them in your rucksack, go out in the woods, and they're 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 your meals. Usually inside these things, there is a. There's going to be like a main dish, a side dish, and then some like crackers and a spread, and maybe a dessert and some some gum. Don't don't chew the gum. Um, and there's going to be a little heating packet, right? A little water-activated heating packet, so you can put your main dish, your side dish, in the little, little wrapper, dump some water in there, roll down the flap, and it's going to activate and heat up. Well, we opened these suckers up. Remember, I said this is 1998, and the M&Ms, we had M&Ms that were in these, some of these. We're like, cool, man, we got M&Ms. The wrappers on the m and said, proud sponsor of the 1988 U.S. Olympic team. Oh, Okay, these suckers are 10 years old. That's that's cool. Maybe it was just the M&Ms, right? Maybe the MREs were packaged later and they just had old M&Ms that got put in there because, you know, Army logic so cool we got we got 10 year old m&ms and you open the packaging up and um it's not m&ms it is an m&m that is now congealed and melted together and is like white it's lost all the colors it's just this one large white lump of chocolate it's cool it's cool all right well we're going to open up the mres we're going to get some chow here we're going to eat and we all put our little little main dishes down in their little thing pull the side dishes out dump some water in a little sucker, rock, you know, fold down the, the top, lean it up against something hard or a rock. Uh, that's literally on the instructions for how to use the, the heaters. It says you, you slide the, the MRE packet inside, put pour some water, or pour some water to the line, slide the MRE packet in, fold down the top, put it back in the box so that you can kind of hold it together. It's going to expand, but you can use the box to, to hold the, 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 the top down. And then it says lean against a rock or something hard. So we did that. And wait a couple minutes for the suckers to heat up. We all pull our our main dishes out of this thing, and everything is still cold because the stupid heating elements are so old they no longer work. So we got to eat cold MREs for a solid week out in the jungle. The Marines, because we, we were out there, right? Army guys. Okinawa is mostly Marines. There's only like between eight and nine hundred at the time that I was there, eight and nine hundred. Uh, soldiers and sailors because the the Navy took care of the medical stuff and the dental stuff for the Marines. Marine Corps, there was tens of thousands of Marine Corps and same with the Air Force. There was a a large Air Force base there. But Army, we just had a little tiny contingent there, so we're kind of on on our own. Marines also had a class of people that were out in the jungle at the same time going through the same school as us. They had trucks that were showing up with hot chow for all of them to eat. Uh, So I I talked to their uh, to their gunny and was like hey if you guys have any leftovers can we come and, and get some and he's like absolutely he's like let them let our guys get through there and I'll tell them not to, to stuff themselves and we'll we'll share with you so they were at least nice in that aspect and, and let us share some food but the my favorite part of the MRE what is my favorite part I don't know that I had a favorite dish because I went from having those ones when we went to the jungle in Okinawa that were 10 years old to then we go to Afghanistan in 2002 and I had MREs for one at least one meal a day for 111 days straight. I do not recommend that at all, but it is what it is. I don't remember what my favorite ones were, man. Um, Definitely not that. that What was the one that he suggested? Something about scrambled egg omelet? I don't even know that that was one. He says, you seem like a cheese and veggie omelet guy. I don't even know if that was one that we had. I don't. I really don't. Um, I know there was some sort of pasta ones that tasted like Chef Boyardee and I hate, I can't even stand the smell of Chef Boyardee. Uh, The chili mac was one that everybody hated, and we actually, me and my my roommate when we were in Afghanistan, we actually kind of enjoyed that one. But my favorite part was actually the jalapeno cheese spread. Not the regular cheese spread, the jalapeno cheese spread. And If you've ever been deployed overseas, you know what I'm talking about. That stuff was like gold. You could hold on to that, or even the peanut butter. You could hold on to those and trade them as commodities on the FOB. The, the forward operating base. You could use those suckers as currency. They were delicious. Well, maybe they weren't delicious. Maybe it was just because every other piece of food there was terrible. But, yeah, the, the jalapeno cheese spread on the veggie cracker. Not the regular cracker, the veggie cracker. It was a little bit softer, right? Now, some of the crazy things that we would do is you get the regular crackers. And the crackers come in these, like, vacuum-sealed... How big were they? They were, like... Four inches, four inches by four inches, maybe. Um, big giant, one layer of cracker, almost like a saltine, but it was just a giant one, right? Not even a saltine; it was thicker and denser than that. But the challenge was to eat that regular cracker, not the veggie one, because the veggie one was softer. But eat that regular cracker in under two minutes with nothing else—no water, no drink, no food to go with it, no spread on top of it. That was that was one of the challenges. And we had many a guy that tried to do that and ended up choking and coughing and and all over the place. I was one of the few that could actually beat that challenge. And uh, I I don't recommend anybody else trying to do that. I also don't, again, I don't recommend eating MREs for 111 days straight. Or you might actually have to chew that gum that they provide you (laughs) in that package. So, yeah, that was, I guess that was my favorite part of the MREs there, Rick. Uh, Let's see, what other... What other questions did I have come in? I think that was just about it, right? I had and Vanessa asked about some army stories. Darth Yoda said, if this chapter is closing, would you be open to future collaboration for content creation? Um, probably at some point, i'm I'm gonna be kind of done retiring from all that for the time being while I'm hunting for some new games to play. Uh, I, I do. You know, I'm still in a content creators Discord server. I'm still being an administrator for the Discord server for Klaus because he does not just Clash of Clans, but uh, has a, a pretty good Minecraft following. Also, he does most of that up on Facebook, so I'm hoping to run that. I might actually get into Minecraft, but will I be getting into content creation? Who knows? I'm sure that I'll I'll get that itch again at some point. But that that guy's that's it. Um, I'm not leaving the community. I'm leaving the game. I'm, I'm still looking to find some other games that I can play. Most of my guys over in the Knights of Zion, there's, uh, several of them that do play Minecraft. Klaus has a, a Minecraft server for his, his sponsors, his supporters that, that I'm involved in. So I'll probably actually start learning to play Minecraft. I can't do that necessarily from the phone as much, but that, that's where I'll be. Uh, I'll still be hanging out over... In that Discord server as we hunt for some games to play. I know Tribe's been hunting for some games and sent me a couple of suggestions, and I appreciate all of that, his friendship throughout the years. But I for the time being and for the foreseeable future, done with Super So that's it, guys. Uh, sorry for sorry for the the downer to end on. Uh, it's it's been it's been fun. This I believe is episode 62 61 episode 61 or episode 62 if we count the little tiny episode that i did last year uh, before i went on vacation actually to see my brother and just this past week i was out to see my brother again uh spent a week well spent the last week my my son came in to visit brought his girlfriend in for fourth of july then after fourth of july was over we flew to tennessee and stayed at my brother's cabin. He owns about 70 acres in the mountains of Tennessee. Got a hunting facility, hunting lodge up there. So we stayed in his his workshop that has a bunkhouse and his arms room and his garage. And a couple of y'all got to see some of the pictures of the cars that we worked on in his garage. We had some range time, went out and... Put some lead downrange and, and enjoyed some time there. Got some pictures of the, the girls. My, my daughter got to hang out with some of her cousins. Uh, my brother is a retired Green Beret. He was an instructor at the Halo School out in Yuma, Arizona, the, the military free fall school, and still helps do some of that stuff. So they have a bunch of, of mockups of fake weapon systems. So that as they're training people to jump in with these weapon systems, they're not actually having to take live weapon systems with them. So if you see the pictures of like my daughter holding a Stinger missile or an RPG or a, a Dragunov a sniper rifle, um, yeah, those are those are the dummies. Those are just mock-ups. They're not real. Don't don't call ATF or Child Protective Services. Actually, Child Protective Services wouldn't do anything for her because my daughter's 19 now. So, but yeah, you don't have to worry about that. Uh, But we did take some time, head down to the range, and and enjoy some time with my brother. Um, He just built a house for my mother on his property, too, so I got to see her and and hang out and unplug. And that was nice. That was a nice little transition period between having to give up the game that I have loved for so long. And then come back and, and talk to you guys for a little bit. So, Thank you to everybody who's still listening. Thank you to everybody who has tuned in throughout this past... Oh what is it, 16 months that I've been doing this. I've enjoyed getting to talk with you and enjoy getting to know everybody in Discord. I'll still be there. We can still chat. I just won't be playing Clash of Clans. So, guys, it's Catfish signing off one last time. I hope that you all are staying safe and having some fun while you're out there playing in traffic. Goodbye.